Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We have plenty of NBA action to catch you up on here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined, as always, on Friday mornings by Big Waz. Waz, what's going Yoo-hoo! on? Top of the morning to you, sir. Uh, yes, sir. I'm here. Let's go. All right. You sound chipper. And obviously, Andrew Schlecht <laughs> on the ones and twos, he sounded chipper as well, making us sound good and forget about the show because quickly i gotta make sure that you're subscribing to the athletic at theathletic.com slash daily ding where you can receive an all access subscription for just 3.99 a month and it's not just the nba it's not just waza style power rankings on tuesdays it's not just my mediocre stories every single day it is every sport that you want top-notch coverage on the athletic all under one umbrella so coming up on today's show the Raptors, they're feasting on venison again. That's in the copy, and it's still true for some reason. Uh, the Nets, they took down the Lakers in Staples, and we got all-star talk. But first, let's talk about the Raptors. They destroyed the Bucks, just ran over them after again. the Bucks took an early lead. Once again, they beat them 110-96. to Quite a week for the Toronto Raptors here. Even without, without Kyle Lowry, they just have their man... Uh, Norm Powell step up, give him twenty nine points. Not bad. Yeah, aside from Norm Powell, excuse me. Aside from Norm Powell, Pascal Siakam had himself a little game, nine of eighteen, hit two of his four threes, got to the line seven times for twenty seven points at a plus ten. Um, you know they scored and they they picked their spots and they were able to get their looks against the Bucks. But I think what was very noteworthy was how they smothered the Bucks. In the first half, like the Bucks just did not have an answer one for switching defense. For some reason, they like they operated as if they had never ever in their lives played against the switching defense. And then when the Bucks was like, you know, excuse me, when the Raptors was like, you know what, we're 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 not doing enough by stepping on their necks with the with the switching defense. We're gonna double team the ball every time they send one for us, pick and roll, and just you know shock these guys into turnovers all over the place. And look. I don't want to sound the alarm here. I don't want to, you know, ring the the panic alarm, break glass in case of emergency here. But if you are a Milwaukee Bucks fan, and for a few games, a few weeks, you know, this year you've watched Giannis play off the ball and watch the Bucks show a dedication to at least trying to develop some type of different continuity on offense that isn't based on Giannis dribble, dribble, dribbling from 30 feet away. And then you watch this game where Giannis, they're treating Giannis like he's hardened in freaking Houston. Um, That's disheartening because the bottom line is that's not good offense. Giannis initiating from 35 feet away from the cup off the dribble is not good offense. He's a much better finisher than he is initiator. And he's got to get it through his head that setting solid screens 
and rolling hard to the basket. I never want to see you pick and pop, Giannis. Your job when all of these shooters on your team are spacing out to three should be to put pressure on the rim by rolling hard, hustling your ass towards the basket. Instead of doing this, oh, I'm a perimeter dance on the perimeter guy. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it, Jared. I mean, that was the whole segue right there. <laughs> you had everything I wanted to say. It's it's true. It just now let's remember Drew Holiday is hurt. He's Drew not Holiday right is now. out, and he yeah. is their de facto point guard. We shouldn't forget that. Yeah, but like this game was weird. Brook Lopez didn't play for most of the second half. I thought that was very strange. I was I went searching through Twitter to see if he got hurt or something. I didn't see anything. Although it did give us the gift of uh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo playing, who I love watching that guy play, the way he just hustles around the boards. A lot of energy. Really fun guy to watch play. It's just crazy. That's got to be the most letters ever on a court at the same time in NBA history right there with those two guys out there. Uh, But this what was so weird about this game was that the Raptors just kept beating them in isolation in the second half. Just over and over again, Siakam getting to the rack, Ananobi getting to the rack. There was just, it wasn't even like the Bucks' defense was terrible. They were just getting beat off the dribble in isolation situations over and over and over again. Man, look, I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to panic, but I think it is important that Chris Middleton initiate offense he's gotten better at playmaking this year like this is the best playmaking he's ever had right like at finding guys at reading the defense and making the right reads and you know getting it to guys on time you know that's important and I think it felt like just because they lost a few games in a row it's like all right let's give Giannis the ball and let him try to save us that's that's not going to work for them long term DiVincenzo hasn't shown me anything in the pick and roll. Like, I I just don't think they can take the approach that they've taken the last two postseasons into this postseason and expect different results. And the bottom line is, the Nets are the most talented team they will have played in the playoffs if they get to play them of the last three years, of the last three postseasons. So this ain't the time to screw around, right? You re-signed Giannis. You got him to think that this Drew Holiday thing was a big deal. So y'all need to play like that. (laughs) You need to use your new acquisition in such a way that he's actually important to what you do down the stretch of games. If not, then that means you spent all of this capital on getting Holiday over here and the context in which you, you try to get buckets in the biggest possessions of your season has not changed at all? That makes no sense to me. You're absolutely right. We'll see if something changes when Drew gets back. If it doesn't, uh, there, there could be some changes happening on the bench in Milwaukee. We'll see. We'll see. Let's head out to Staples, where the Brooklyn Nets beat the LA Lakers 109-98 in a battle of two of the juggernauts in the NBA. No KD, no AD. If your name ends with a D, you weren't playing in this game. Uh, it didn't seem to matter for Brooklyn because, uh, you know, they have a big three and they're still very good at offense, even without Durant. Yeah, you know what it is too, Jared. Um, the Nets can flat out score the rock, right? Like the greatest one-on-one scorer of his generation, of his generation, um, not playing today, and the Nets had no issue generating quality look after quality look. You know, I was talking to a friend during this game, and she mentioned something to me. She said. This Laker defense against the Nets reminded her of the first few times they played 
the super small ball rockets of last year. There's a certain level of discipline that you have to keep in order to, you know, because you can't play them like you play a, a normal team. And the Lakers just didn't have that level of focus. It's a regular season game. They're missing two of their best, two of the three best players in Dennis Schroeder and AD. Um, so you can see why they didn't have it defensively. But, man, I'm sorry, man. Watching the Nets play after all of the hand-wringing, after all of the, oh, maybe Nash is, you know, a little bit out over his skis. Maybe he's a rookie. Maybe they didn't get enough defense. Maybe they need Jared Allen. Maybe there's too much offense. This team is going to flat out score. They're now 19 and 12. They're second in their conference. After all the COVID protocols and the games missed and the hand ringing and the defense stinks, they're second in the Eastern Conference and they're starting to round into form. Watch out. Now, as far as this game, the Lakers offense... Look, <laughs> LeBron was the only guy who could, initi- could initiate offense, right? Like, they try to let Caruso do it. He's not he's not up to snuff when it comes to that role, right? When LeBron's not playing him, like, trying to find guys or trying to find his own shot. That's not where he's at. Um, THT, he's not the type of guy that you can give heavy minute load and possession load of anchoring an offense that way. So you can see when they struggled when LeBron wasn't in the game. But I just thought defensively, man, you know, the net shot 15, excuse me, the net shot 18 of 39 from three. And if you're letting this particular Nets team get up 39 threes, you're just doing something wrong. And, you know, Joe Joe Harris was getting open. Like, the one guy you probably don't want to leave open more than anyone when KD's sitting down. So, you know, the Nets look like the Nets tonight, man. Like, they're going to generate great looks offensively every single night. They are easily the league's best offense. And it boils down to, on a night-to-night basis, did they get enough stops? And tonight they did. Yeah. I mean, this game had Joe Harris and TLC just getting wide open corner threes, coming down in transition, burying threes. They look tremendous. TLC especially was really impressive because I think he was playing on a, ba- on a bad leg and he was still <laughs> looking great. And then I mean, Joe Harris had pretty much a perfect game. I mean, six or seven from three, seven for 10 from uh, the field, had five boards on top of that with his 21 points. He just, he's been just about the best shooter in the NBA so far this year. And is obviously, it's like this team, with their big three still needed something to break right in the, you know, in the supporting cast. And not only is Jeff Green as the small ball five working out pretty well for them, but Harris has just been shooting like that has really been that, that fourth guy to help keep this offense just dangerous no matter what. Yeah, and, and on like four of those Joe Harris threes, they didn't even touch the rim. It was just straight swish, bottom of the net. He was just pure tonight. Um, but I do want to talk about TLC just a, a bit <laughs> They had him in OKC, and of course, now that he's gone, his stroke looks amazing. It's just, you can't make this up with OKC. They're just cursed to never have shooting ever again. I mean, he couldn't shoot when he got to the league. I was I was huge on him. I scouted him back when he was playing in Europe, and I was like, this guy is the next Mario Hazonia. And it turned out mm. that was very true. And I thought that was a compliment at the time. Uh, but he's, he's really reformed his game to be less of this, like, transition attack guy to more of a three and D guy. And he's been really good on both ends ever since he got to Brooklyn. Yeah. I like his movement off the ball. Like he's catching and shooting, coming off of threes. I mean, coming off of screens, excuse me. He's doing the little flare screen to the outside where you just sort of fade to the back and they throw it over the top. He's, he's, he's showing you a a beautiful package of, you know, getting his shot off. And so, 
if you're a Nets fan, you gotta like what you've been seeing the last ten days, man. And and if you're in the East, you should be scared shitless. I mean, I live in Boston, so technically I'm in the East of the United States, and I'm currently shitting myself. Uh, just because of the fact that we just talked about a Brooklyn Nets win, and we didn't even mention Kyrie Irving or James Harden. That's how right. good this team is. And we're not going to. Screw those guys. Uh, LeBron James, he had 32 points, passed the 35,000-point mark. It's just him, Carl Malone, and Kareem in that space. Uh, he's uh, about, what, like eight and, or three and a half thousand points short of Kareem for the all-time record. It seems unless... He has a catastrophic injury. He's going to cruise past that one in the next few years. Mm Yeah, so uh, he has a lot of goat-like tendencies. But you know what? In this game, he shot. He didn't hit a three until he had a wide-open three in the fourth quarter. Uh, So the Lakers, they shot eight for 30 from three, 26.7%. And then overall from the field, they shot 48%. So from two... They shot 32 for 53, which is 60%. So how on earth do the Lakers lose a game where they're shooting 60% on two-pointers? That's insane. Well, they couldn't buy a three for their lives. Um, And they had some pretty decent looks. You know, they just weren't knocking them down. Eight for 30 this game, that's a 26.7%. That's not going to get it done against a Nets team that came 1-3 shy Oh, excuse me, two three-pointers shy from being the first team in NBA history to hit 23s in three games in a row. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to lose that numbers game every time. All right, uh, last thing on this game is the news that came afterwards. AD, he's out for four weeks. We covered on the show earlier in the week about how AD said that he was going to play through an injury because he's tough and he wants to be out there and be a competitor. And then he re-injured it the next game, and now he's out for a while. This is not pretty. Uh, what's what's the panic mode? What, what, what are you hearing? Are people screaming outside your window right now in L.A.? Um, nah, I listened to the Haber show with Amin El Hassan and um, Tom Haberstro, and they had a doctor on, I forget the guy's name um, right now, but um, the doctor basically insinuated that this is not something to worry about right now. It's going to be fine. All right, well, Dr. Amin is in the house, and of course, Yovan Buha had a, a few stories about this, one including talking to a medical specialist over on The Athletic, so be sure to check that out at theathletic.com slash daily ding if you haven't signed up yet people let's get to the news and uh well we have some obvious news the all-star teams were announced for the starters so we have in the west luca steph lebron Jokic, Kawhi. in the east Kyrie, bradley beal kevin durant Giannis attentacumpo joel Embiid. Uh, so obviously this is an atrocity to mankind. We're going to try to sort through this was because this is all, right. all that matters. I mean, is there anyone in on here that you like categorically disagree with them being the top dog at their position? No, not a single person. <laughs> like, and here's the thing. I've seen the Dame stuff flying around on the internet and you can quibble with Steph or Luca or even Kawhi to a certain extent if you wanted to although I don't think I think it was the Steph and Luca for the guard positions that he was fighting with all that means is that Dame Lillard is going to he's guaranteed to be an all-star reserve and so he's guaranteed a spot it's guaranteed to be on his record that he was a 2021 all-star 
Stop crying for this dude. Donovan Mitchell <laughs> didn't get snubbed. Rudy Gobert didn't get snubbed. We get that they have the best record in the league. They're they're both probably going to make this team. Um, and so nobody got snubbed. And on the East, like, you know, Kyrie had has had a great season. Yes, he's missed a decent amount of games. But look, if you're gonna let the fans and the players and all of these people vote, like this is completely fine. And we're do- this is at the halfway mark of the season. It's incomplete. We have incomplete numbers. You know, we're, we're not working with a full deck here, and I get that. But like, there's nobody you can argue straight up does not deserve this spot or what I would say is there's nobody who's starting right now who would absolutely has a chance of not making the team at all. And so, therefore, this discussion needs to miss me with the snub stuff. It's stupid. And that's just great. I feel like for so long, there's always one starter who just, like, clearly shouldn't be in that position. But the fan base or a large market or whatever has gotten them in there. This year, like, there's no qualms. You know, Kyrie was, like, the closest one. Uh, and the media had him ranked fourth while the players and fans had him ranked second. But, like, Kyrie's played 20 games. It's not like he's only played 12 or 13 games. You know, Jalen Brown, he he finished second in the media voting, but he's only played, I think, six more games than Kyrie had. So, the you know, Kyrie, he's averaging, like, 29 a game. It's like he's having an unbelievable year. I think it's – and his team is the – second best or maybe best team in the Eastern Conference or maybe even in the entire NBA. So I, I think it's pretty reasonable uh, there. And the only only interesting one is just Brad Beal, who isn't having that much better of a season than last year, but like certainly it's noticeable that he's leading the league in scoring. And suddenly he's an absolute lock to make it while he didn't even make it last year. So just more all-star related news. We have the formal format, which is that there's going to be an all-star game at eight o'clock Eastern time on Sunday, March 7th at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. So there's going to be a skills competition and a three-point contest at 630. And then the dunk contest is going to happen at halftime. So that is, I mean, you know, it's usually it's fun to have a Saturday night all-star and then the Sunday game, especially now that the game actually matters because of the uh, Elam ending, which they're keeping the Elam ending the same as last year. Uh, But it it is going to be a lot of fun to watch all the events happening all at one time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to generally enjoy it. It'll give me something to watch on a Sunday. Um, I'm not going to be this Debbie Downer like, oh, the league shouldn't have had an all-star game in the pandemic. Whatever, it's happening. Who gives a crap? They're having a whole 80-game season plus playoffs in the pandemic. Miss me. Like, what are we talking about? Um, But, yeah, I'm going to sit down, enjoy it, you know, probably crack a cold one and – and enjoy the show, Jared. That's it. Just enjoy enjoy fun. Enjoy sports. Enjoy the NBA. It's fantastic. One of the important things to note here is that the NBA is committing more than $2.5 million in funds and resources towards HBCUs, plus support and awareness around equity and access to COVID-19 care, relief, and vaccines, they said in their presser. So, uh, hey, at least they're doing something. Oh, and Adam Silver said, please do not go down to Atlanta and party. So don't don't go party, people. Uh, Dad one of the- said not to party, guys. Remember, he's leaving the keys with you, going on vacation with mom, and he told you not to throw a party in the empty house while they're thousands of miles away. So don't party, kids. Remember what Dad said. And just remember to measure out how much vodka is in the bottle in the freezer. Um, one more just important nugget here is that the Grand Rapids Drive is expected to become the Nuggets G League affiliate in the near future. Uh, and another thing on Friday, you notice we didn't talk about the Rockets Mavs game. Well, 
I think everyone's aware of the tragedy that's happening in Texas right now. And uh, because of that, obviously, that game was postponed. And then uh, one more thing, Waz's favorite guy, Danny Ainge, said that he doesn't view the Celtics' current roster as championship caliber on a radio interview. And uh, yeah, no shit. Let's head out to Sacktown where the Heat beat the Kings 118 to 110 in a wire to wire win. We had two triple doubles on the same team in this game. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they both did it. Tyler Hero, 27 points on 12 for 17 shooting. The kid can stroke it. So can Kelly Olenek, who had 22 points on 10 for 16 shooting. Uh, let's let's go. Let's go to another shooter on this team, though. There's been a lot of talk about Duncan Robinson and how he's having a down year and how the league has figured him out. And then in this game, he had 20 points, 5 for 11 shooting from deep. Yeah, I, what, what do you think of this whole narrative around Duncan Robinson? It's stupid. Um, if you watch, if you pay attention to what the Heat do, what makes his actions off the ball tough is that Tyler Hero's also in the game, and he's also somebody you can't leave open, right? Like it's they they work in concert with one another within the context of this offense. Like they're off a lot of their off ball stuff is literally just to create openings for other guys for Bam for Jimmy to attack. So like it just because Duncan Robinson isn't taking a shot doesn't mean he's not affecting the defense some way. And of course teams can load up on him when they when the Heat aren't deploying another extremely deadly shooter but once Tyler Hero comes back you see he's he's been open up to even take 11 threes in a game right like if you paid attention to anything that he do you know those two guys are working in tandem as far as you know creating havoc for the defense coming off of all of these screens screening for each other making defenses panic um so I, I just think that's an asinine thing to say yeah, I, I mean, the, obviously the legitimate thing is last year he shot like 44.5%. This year it's down to 39%. So oh, last you know, year he, he was one of the all-time greatest three-point shooters ever. <laughs> and this year he's just damn good A really and good shooter, yeah. I mean, come on. And I think it's going to come around. And, and to his credit, he's gotten a lot better on defense over the last year. Like he's he's been a pretty impressive defender, I think. So he's it's become a much he's more a white guy. So he's still going to get attacked anyway. Even when sure. white guys show improvement on D, guys are just like, forget this. I'm ISO in this guy. <laughs> uh, poor white guys. Uh, but it's like this team. We know how they work, and that they 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 thrive off of guys creating gravity and I don't think anyone's going to treat Duncan Robinson really any differently just because he's shooting 39% uh, compared to shooting 45%. Uh, but it just, this Miami team, they need their playmakers to be doing it. And we had in this game, Bam and Jimmy, both with triple doubles, both really kind of running everything through them. Yeah. Jimmy is honestly their best playmaker. Um, even more so than Goran, I think because he's such a threat to take it to the rack, to take it mid-range. And he's so in tune with what they're doing off the ball. He's just their best primary playmaker, man. Like, he's such a threat to get to the free throw line. And so defenses have to play him so honestly, and it frees him up to just find guys. Um, and so him coming back obviously changes so much of what they do. So I'm not surprised that they've played better, specifically offensively, since their best offensive player has come back. All right, well, Miami's now a game and a half out of the seven seed, or I guess 
three games out of the six seeds. So they're uh, they're slowly working their way back into uh, you know being a playoff team. They're they're five and five for the last ten games. I mean, do you think do you see Miami making that big turnaround and vaulting back up towards the top half of the East? I guess. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think once they get their guys back. And they decide, all right, it's time for us to make a run. Um, this is a Miami Heat team. This is an effort team. Uh, you know they're going to play defense. Their offense is going to finally come around. Uh, they're going to be fine. I'm not worried about this team at all. Yeah. I mean, we know that this is the team obviously built for the playoffs. And obviously, especially like we know Jimmy Butler, he kind of hits a new level in the playoffs as well. And he has to do that because he can't play with that level of energy throughout a regular season. Nobody can really do that. So... They just got to get there. And once they get there, uh, I'd be pretty scared if I was facing them. But that's going to do it for today's show. So don't forget about all the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network that we have, like the Athletic NBA show, No Dunks, House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers. And don't forget to go follow us on the app where you can get notifications for new episodes and you can utilize the podcast episode comment section. Talk about how much you enjoyed Waz's breathtaking analysis in this episode and if you're not a member of the athletic you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports all for a super low price just get a subscription today at theathletic.com slash daily ding thank you as always for waking up with us good night was you can ding my bell ding, ding my, my bell. bell my bell